0: Good day and welcome to the Climate Change Therapy Podcast, a product of BlockRadius.net, your most trusted online media outlet for urban planning and unrelated topics. I'm your host, Hank Felsman. Today is Monday, December 14th, 2020. Thank you for tuning in. It's now been exactly nine months since my office closed at my day job in Old City, Philadelphia on March 16th. 2020, a day when there were 907 new cases in the United States of the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. And here we are today. My office is still closed. And here we are hovering this week around 200,000 new cases a day. Not total cases, new cases. We had 907 when we shut down nine months ago. We have 200,000 today. Again, daily cases, not cumulative cases. Cumulative cases were up to 16.5 million. So still working from home. But hey, at least we've got sports back now. Kevin Durant played for the first time last night since tearing his Achilles. He looked pretty damn good. I watched two whole NBA preseason games this weekend. But in any case, desperate times call for desperate measures. More good news. Aside from the NBA being back, the Electoral College vote was conducted today. Joe Biden won as he was projected to by all the major networks months ago. Uh, sorry, a month ago. Also projected months ago. But this is still news because a lot of people thought that somehow Trump would come from behind and somehow win the Electoral College after all. But, hey, that's just the opinion of a select few. Uh, who am I kidding? Quite possibly 70 million people in climate change news. The Paris Agreement turned five years old on Saturday, giving the countries participating the chance to make new statements, reaffirming their commitment. The EU promised to cut its carbon emissions by 50 percent by 2030. All right. All right. While the United States let the head of the EPA, Andrew Wheeler, former coal industry lobbyist. You heard that right. Coal industry lobbyist and head of the EPA, Andrew Wheeler posted on twitter quote rejoining the paris climate accord would be a disaster and put us at a strategic disadvantage especially with china who emits far more greenhouse gases and isn't required to reduce its emissions until at least 2030 meanwhile china announced on saturday a new commitment to reduce its carbon intensity by 65 percent by 2030 and triple its wind and solar power capacity as well as expand its forest footprint so as always some good news some bad news well, you know good and bad happening in the world like a dancer in her shadow on today's program. We have two very special guests. The last time I saw them both together in person was the beginning of March of this year, about two weeks before COVID rocked the nation. When there was just a few dozen cases in the country, maybe 75 at that point and people in their total ignorance of the situation started cutting back on, on Chinese food. It's my brother, Peter an eminent psychologist, especially within the specialized discipline of climate change, anxiety, and therapy. We welcome Peter back onto the show, and we welcome for the first time Adam Bowerstein, a doctor of culture of sorts, I like to say, takes the pulse of the people as a collective and tells you which way the wind's blown. More specifically, he's also well-known here in the Philadelphia area for his work in the last days before COVID in the live entertainment business, and he's a born entertainer himself. He is Adam Bowerstein. But first, Let's take a moment to thank our longtime sponsor, Rollin Cases, and Mos Rocket. Suitcases on Wheels, Rollin Cases. Whether you're quarantining at home this holiday season, but still want to pack a bag just for old time sentimental sake, or you're ready to move out your mom's couch into the real world and find a job, COVID be damned. Roll in cases are the suitcases on wheels for you and your life's journey. Roll in cases. And now, ladies, gentlemen, listeners, old and new, I bring you right after this music break. Adam Bowerstein, and my brother, Peter. Welcome, Adam Bowerstein, my brother, Peter. Welcome to Climate Change Therapy. Welcome back, Peter. Welcome, Adam. Uh, So I just uh, introduced you guys, but I want to give you a chance to control your own narrative, as they say. Uh, in in the MBA, in in the world and uh, culture, uh, so uh, why don't we start with with you, Peter, my brother? You've been here before, but you want to uh, tell tell the people who you are once again?
1: Yeah, I love your to. <laughs> Sure, I um I, I've been struggling with this recently, so I have a a PhD in social work and social psychology. I'm doing a postdoc in science communication and clinical psychology. I'm teaching in a journalism department, and I research theater and as hank mentioned i'm a uh, i'm an eminent uh, climate therapy climate anxiety uh scholar and yeah and then i will say an an, an overly
0: qualified, ah, you know what properly qualified guest on this on this program uh adam take it
2: yeah uh i'm adam what up what up happy to be here thank you hank and hanks uh brother older or younger
0: happy to have you
2: um yeah, I'm I'm a big uh, big poll guy, so you know, always always helping uh, people figure out which way the wind's blowing. Uh, right now, I I I do a lot of hanging out, a lot of uh, work at home, and everything like that. Uh, um, and yeah, yeah, who isn't to be here?
0: Yeah, who isn't who isn't doing that these days?
2: That's true. Man.
0: Man, all right, so I'm going to start here with the first question we ask every guest, slightly modified due to COVID. Uh, but let's we'll start with you, Adam, because um, I think Peter, you've you've answered this a few times before. Um, but how did you think and talk about climate change in your everyday life? Uh, and let's start with before before COVID hit. And if you want to, in the same breath, answer um, how that's changed since COVID. Go right ahead. Um, but yeah, how do you how did you think and talk about climate change?
2: Um, not too much, terribly. To be uh, to be honest with you not a, not a ton, especially not explicitly. There were things that, you know, I, I, um, thought were pretty obvious things that, that meant a lot to me. You know, we all grew up in the North Jersey area. So mass transportation is, is a, you know, a huge, uh, you know, something that's a very big part of our lives. And I think that, uh, that, um, living in Philadelphia, wanting to live in a, in a city, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as, uh, me and my partner, were looking for places to, to live apartments and homes. We, you know, mass transportation and and making sure we had access to that, um, versus cars were, were always a big, big deal for us. Um, I think that, you know, I've always been a, a, a big, you know, uh, non-plastic single, you know, use water bottle guy, which is, uh, is at least probably doing something. Um, you know, I, in, in my, uh, my job or current job or former job or, or you know whatever it is in, in you know kind of the live entertainment theater world, we often would uh it was not a uh it didn't make sense often to to uh recycle a lot of uh a lot of elements, uh physical elements, mostly sets and, and everything. I I worked with a lot of companies that unfortunately just didn't have the means to do anything but throw a bunch of um you know recently used, not too worn uh, items into a dumpster at the end of the show. So I was, I was very lucky, um, to work with, you know, a couple of very good stagehands at, uh, uh, at the, um, you know, venue that venues that I've worked at that have helped, uh, um, you know, be able to pull things out and, and reuse and recycle things. Um, specifically for climate change, my, my big thing has always been weather based, um, which I don't necessarily know if I have a lot of, um, you know, knowledge about, but, uh, I had a good friend who was, a, a you know, Always did a lot of storm chasing and and you know would go out into the you know the middle of the country and, and chase tornadoes and uh, you know as as we see bigger storms happening and hurricanes and tornadoes popping up last year you know I noticed that it was one of the first years that there really wasn't any snow at all and and um, so I think that for climate change specifically um, that's that's really my kind of background in it, um, you know, for once COVID hit um, me and my partner started cooking a lot and we realized how um, wasteful some elements of, of cooking can be, you know, marinating chicken. Um, you know, we used to marinate chicken in like, you know, plastic bags and then throw them out versus, you know, Tupperware and, and stuff like that. And, you know, re, especially with the, uh, the germs aspect of, of COVID, you know, recycling uh, or using your own, um, you know, bags for the grocery store, stuff like that. But I think it's been very, um, very tiny, tiny, you know, elements that that I don't think have been climate change based or focused, but more kind of right or wrong, you know, good for society versus bad for society, if that makes sense.
1: It
0: makes a lot of sense. And I, I hadn't thought of that before. Usually the way I think of how COVID affects the way you think of climate change is that climate change has been this sort of long term existential crisis or Or whatnot and then COVID became a short-term existential crisis and it kind of took precedent over climate change to worry about COVID and climate change we'll just we'll worry about that once we get vaccinated Uh, but yeah from from what you're saying is spending more time at home kind of makes you think about uh, your own practices and the day-to-day your own use of plastic bags to marinate chicken for example yeah. Um, what you do on your own are you composting because now you're we're cooking three meals a day as opposed to you know maybe one meal a day for dinner or maybe maybe breakfast if you unless like like me i would wake up and make a cup of coffee and go you know skip totally skip breakfast maybe grab an apple maybe make dinner um but yeah so now we're we're uh we're going through a lot more on our own we have to we have to confront that stuff um
2: yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's probably on a, you know, again, a much smaller scale, but just like trying to cut down on, on, you know, the amount of just trash that we have to take out, you know, as we're spending 22 hours a day indoors and making yeah. sure we're, you know, we're cutting back on that as much as possible, but no, I, you know, it's it, climate changes and you, it's perfect that you, you know, set it up with the, with the pandemic, just because, you know, like it's just something that, you know, uh, because it's not necessarily visible or impactful every day. People can't kind of see it, you know, it does Mm -hmm. take a backseat.
0: You remind me, Adam, what you, what did you, what did you study in college?
2: So I, I studied, uh, I studied theater arts with concentration in stage management and lighting design. Gotcha. And then I, uh, was a, had a minor in business management, which I feel like I throw in there just to, again, I think it's, it's a quantity thing when, when speaking with, you know, uh, your brother. So you okay. got to get degrees in as you can.
0: Yeah. So you were li- liberal arts like me. I was, I was an English major and yeah, I, I didn't, I studied nothing about climate change, uh, you know, in college. Um, It it wasn't until grad school where the first time, for the first time I actually started, you know, learning about this stuff in, in school of any <laughs> to, you know, p- people to actually talking about climate change in the classroom um which was, you know, that's kind of what caused me to do this program, but it was kind of shocking. I mean, of, yeah, just that that you can go through college and this is seemingly the most, you know, serious problem in the world, but um, yeah, no one, you don't have a, there's no required courses about it at all.
2: No, I mean, I don't think that it was ever like a big topic, you know, in education at any point of my life.
0: Does it ever come up backstage just in social settings? Anyone just being like, oh, yeah, yeah. How about that great uh, Toonberg? No, (laughs) no,
2: uh, (laughs) no. I can't say that that it ever has uh, come up, uh, come up casually that I could think of.
1: So when was the last time? I bet lately there have been a lot more like plays being created that are about it, you know in one way or another
0: yeah movies for sure not just documentaries there was a good movie a couple uh, years ago um with uh, ethan Hawke. he played a pastor damn it's a I'm, I'm forgetting it right now um first first something first something but it was good it was about an environmentalist and and the church good climate change movie we'll try to look it up
1: can yeah. i ask a follow-up question adam on something you mentioned earlier yeah sure you you mentioned um uh productions having uh objects that they end up just disposing of afterwards and and a stagehand at a couple of the venues helping reuse things did you ever did you ever take home any of the objects and and if so what did you what did you bring home
2: i yeah i try uh, i try not to take um too many there's there's one uh there was one opera that i did that had um like 16 upright pianos that were all gutted, which I always had um, dreams of making of, of gutting an upright piano and and making it into like a homemade bar. And you know, like you could kind of flip it up and, you know, put some liquor in there, maybe do some nice, nice cool lighting. Um, actually when I moved to Philly, I tried to acquire a couple free ones from um from Craigslist, but the two people that got back to me when I stated my use was not to play piano. Nah. They both declined, you know, letting me have it, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, totally makes sense. Um, no, I, I there's a, there's only been a couple productions that I that I've grabbed uh, that I grabbed a couple things from. The only the coolest item that I've ever grabbed from was uh, Cory Booker's special uh, special special election um, for senator, or for excuse me, for governor. No, for senator. What, what is he? Senator. Senator. Um, senator. Yeah. Uh, I've got the lectern sign, the Cory Booker lectern sign that was used. That, uh, yeah, yeah. Probably shouldn't have that, but um, they were just well,
1: starting. Better that you have it than it's in a trash can. Or absolutely. Yeah.
2: W- was was proudly displayed throughout uh, different apartments and, and homes I've lived in.
0: Nice. I'm a big fan of Cory Booker. He's very very good on climate change. Also represents our state of New Jersey very well. Also, I met him when I was about sixteen. He came to uh, my temple, and he uh, he spoke just to our our class of our youth group of eight people. It's pretty cool. No cameras, no nothing. Just wanted to know what some teenagers had to say about the fate of the world. <laughs> um, Were
2: you As vocal then as you are now, and you know,
0: no, no, not at <laughs> all. Uh, no. Still, still a New Jersey Nets fan, but um, yeah, didn't even didn't know about climate change. Didn't know it was a thing. Vaguely was aware of global warming uh but but only vaguely um you mentioned pianos those are fascinating fascinating objects though they have they have moving companies exclusively for pianos is that is that true
2: that is very true moving companies exclusive for pianos pianos are so fragile it's it's some of the few things the few work that we do uh that we do in the industry that uh is uh does not need to uh have union jurisdiction on it's a uh, They're, they're so delicate and and are so fragile that, that it just makes more sense to, to get professional movers in that are, that are insured to, uh, to move these, uh, these musical instruments around. Do
0: you, do you consider this phenomenon progress or decay? How back in the day, if you wanted to have music playing in your living room, you had to know how to play the piano, but today you just need to know how to play music from your iPhone. Is that progress or is that, you know, how would you assess that?
2: Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just different. It's, it's progress in some regards that there's, there's, you know, accessibility for people that, that might not have had it before or just that um, have it readily available. But I think that there has to be, you know, a, a decline in, in, you know, live entertainment in terms of uh, in in stamina and attention span for live entertainment, but also the craft of, of, you know, being able to, to, you know, play an instrument and, and, you know, entertain formally.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Agreed. That was just a quick digression. Um, But so Adam, uh, one of the real reasons I wanted to get you on here as well with my brother, Peter is I remember the last time the three of us were together um it must have been the first of march or the second of march and uh, my brother was in town um and we met up at at a bar in in center city philadelphia and we were talking about this this COVID thing that we'd heard about going on in china and had, had I, it's probably started to it was in italy at that point perhaps uh it's hard to hard to remember exactly but i think there were a few cases in in the states and people were talking about it that it could could come it could have some impact we didn't really know what would happen um but you had mentioned and you were one of the first people I, i had heard say this but that, uh, we should be thinking about like that this would be pretty serious. And you had also mentioned that you had bought some canned beans and, <laughs> and yeah. some rice. Yeah, friend, <laughs> so, like, Mike so and part of your back. prediction was right, that this was more serious than we were th- thinking of it. The other half wasn't right where I don't think we really needed to load up on, on beans and, and rice, but, but maybe part of that is true. I mean, some, there were shortages of a lot of, a lot of supplies. So that was true.
2: Um, and we probably still, like, I don't think we've ever even cooked the, the beans and rice. I'm sure they're still in, in this
0: apartment. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you, I want to ask Peter, what do you remember from, from that conversation? And how did your expectations then like align with what you've seen? And did you ever imagine that we'd be here nine months later, still locked down or unable to meet in person? Essentially, you can't be an inside at a bar.
1: Yeah. I, I mentioned, uh, kind of, as you were speaking, uh, I apologize if I was talking over you, Hank, but I, I remember the, uh, that, uh, Adam's Adam's friend, Mike, you mentioned had like been to Costco a couple times and done big, uh, big loadouts yeah. from there and, and stocking up. And, and that was, that was the first person I knew of, uh, who was really stocking up. Yeah,
2: no, it, it was, it was on, you know, recommended recommendation of a close friend just to, to, you know, really take this seriously and, and make sure that, you know, we, we were at the time, you know, we were, I was, he was, whatever it was, we're, we, you know, it was comparing it to like a very bad snowstorm where like, it, it'll be a couple weeks where like, you know, you won't have access to <laughs> these things. And I remember being embarrassed when I, when I would say things like that, when I'd be like, yeah, I think that it's gonna be like, you know, maybe one, one week, two really, really bad weeks. And then, you know, like yeah. things will get better. Like uh, you, not you were
0: like, self-conscious like, like about you were being experiment. too alarmist yeah
2: yeah, yeah. 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 no I, I remember you know a, a good friend of mine i was driving to play you know open roller hockey in, you know in the northeast and him going like you're just joking about about all this stuff and i was like i, I don't know man i would i would buy some you know stock up on some things and like if nothing happens then you know it saves you a couple trips to the store just because it's it's hard you know you never would expect something like this to happen so to you know to be there casually even with you guys and be like no guys like this is a big deal (laughs) it's hard to it's hard to be like "Ah, it's probably i'm probably wrong i have to be wrong right
0: well at at the time where were you getting your information because Uh, the the news wasn't really making it seem like we would be down for months
2: (laughs) yeah directly from uh from my close friend mike rogers he works in international security so they had seen some impacts of this, you know, worldwide a little bit. And uh, you know, he was he was very on it probably late January through, you know, through Super Bowl was was probably um, beginning of February when we really started talking about it. And, you know, he would he would send me videos of, you know, like these mass cleaning efforts in in China and cities being, you know, you know, the city of Wuhan, like drone shots of it being completely empty and and all of these, you know doomsday clips from from overseas that just we're not making it over uh over to the states yet
0: Wait, adam are you leaking declassified information right now are you allowed to talk about that
2: uh I, i'm not <laughs> leaking everything everything is cla everything is declassified if you know where to look that's what i said <laughs> everything is declassified if you know where to look
0: fair enough fair enough um So where do you see this all, all headed now? Um, let's call let's talk summer 2021. Uh, do you think we'll be back by then? Do you think we'll be back sooner? Where do we go from here? When's the next time we'll be able to hang out at strange loves. When do we get to play a show on your roof?
2: Yeah. You guys have both made it to my roof roof separately. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: you're the culture doctor, Adam. So a lot, of, a lot of pressure. you you were right about the coronavirus being a at least a one week, two week thing. So, uh, I want to hear your prediction for the vaccine rollout in 2021. I,
2: I think that I've got a lot of faith in the vaccine. Uh, you know, my, uh, from everything that I've, you know, and I am again, am someone that is, you know, in the entertainment industry with no medical background or um, any, you know, vaccine. Background or anything like that, but I've got a lot of faith in the vaccine. It was historic to see, you know, um, the the first, you know, you know, frontline workers and and healthcare professionals get get vaccinated today. There were, you know, tears of joy in in this household at least, and just excitement. Um, I I think that I think that it life's going to get back to normal pretty soon. I think that you know there was a lot of um, normalcies throughout the summer with just the ability to be outdoors, especially, you know, here in the the Northeast. So I think that as vaccines become more readily available, which I believe will probably be the the May, June, July, you know, timeframe where, you know, folks like us will be able to, to go to a CVS or Walgreens and, and be able to be vaccinated. Once you, you know, as that's getting into to the warmer months and, and people start, you know, continuing to see each other outdoors, maybe less social distancing in the fall, I think things gradually start open. And, you know, I think that Winter is going to be the big test to see what it looks like.
0: I want to be very, very clear about something. Uh, You said that, you know, you're not a doctor. You're just someone you're just in the live entertainment industry. I want to be very clear that I, I see you as as qualified as any doctor to answer that question about summer 2021. And when I'm thinking about summer 21, I'm I'm wondering what's what's going to happen with Bonnaroo. What's going to happen with with Burning Man? Summer is is a huge season for entertainment. If we all if people get vaccinated this spring, what's summer 2021 going to look like? Is that going to be In is it going to be crazy? Is it going to be doubly crazy to make up for 2020, or is it still going to be a little tempered and is it going to be a slow, gradual easing back into things?
2: I think it'll be non-existent. I mean, it'll be mostly really? festivals. I don't think I don't think that I, I just truly don't think that that it's going to happen. I think that there isn't. Um, there isn't a, a, you know, kind of a a precedent or logistics on, on how different, you know, venues or, or, you know, uh, producers are going to handle whether or not people have been vaccinated, where that information goes. Once, you know, people do get vaccinated, I think that it'll take a while for, you know, things to be planned out and and for tours to, to occur, even individual shows with ticket sales. I think that there's a lot Mm -hmm. of logistics and, and, um, and a lot of, you know, uh, safety distributions. I I don't know how to describe it. Just, just either how to, you know, either be at herd immunity or have people sign a waiver that they've, they've taken the the vaccine um, for, for these, you know, productions. I, I think, you know, from the entertainment industry, and I think that it's, it's, it's going to be a can't miss timeframe. I don't think that they'll be able to invest money and try and get you know, a production or a show or, or a festival happening and, and then have to, to pull it back with, with where the, what the industry has been, been through. Mm. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of the, one of the later things to, to, to happen. I think sports are going to be the uh, sports are going to lead the, the entertainment, you know, field. I think that before concerts or, or anything or, or even theater comes back, I think that, you know, sports are start going to that already have a calendar and already have a, a backup plan of, of, you know how to be produced without fans. I think that th- once once they start allowing people in and, and get to higher capacities, that's when we'll see that it's it's safe enough for for concerts and and live live theater, live entertainment to to really take off.
0: Because hmm. there there has been obviously there's been sports and some uh, football stadiums, some basketball stadiums have even had limited capacity uh, attendance but that's that I guess that still loses money and it's still owned by billionaires who can take the loss with an eye to the future. But these music festivals, you're kind of saying that the difference is they really need to make money every year.
2: Yeah. Uh, they, they need to make money. And also they, they can't afford to, to lose money if the show doesn't happen. And, and, you know, if, if they plan Bonnaroo and, and, you know, at the last minute they have to cancel mm-hmm. or they start the festival and have to, you know, send everybody home with, with, you know, an outbreak or anything they, I would be surprised if, if anyone risks that that potential versus making sure that it's safe. There was a right. lot of money that was lost in, in in the industry already that I think that it's mm-hmm. got to be a real safe bet before it comes
0: back. That's That makes sense, actually, because, yeah, Bonnaroo being four days, you know, four days of ticket sales, that's a lot riskier planning for those four days than for planning for, you know, 72-game NBA season.
1: Mark Cuban, I think a day ago, predicted that april at the latest is when there'll be some fans back in, in the stands
0: for basketball hmm. i was yeah. kind of hoping that there would be music festivals this summer or at least concerts but
2: i i hope so too i would uh, if you know if you hear of any i'd love to uh, throw my hat in and try and try and work them but there
0: could be concerts though because concerts are more similar to an NBA arena that you have a full season. It's not just a four day weekend. So like a place like union transfer here in Philadelphia, right. Couldn't they have some shows and say that there's limited capacity and, you know, distance, but you can go to the show.
2: I, I think that they could. I just think that usually you have to be, you know, starting to, to plan those tours and logistics and, and routing and, and travel, you know, pretty soon to, to really pull the trigger on that.
0: So what about fall 2021?
2: Fall 2021 is when I think things start picking up. Okay, that's that's you know momentum. I think fall is going to be a little scary because I don't know how much um you know how much you know indoor capacity events you know are are happening. So I don't know what the test is going to be. Not only is there a safety um you know aspect of this with with the vaccine and everything, but there's also a you know a public health um trust in in making sure that that people feel comfortable attending these things and, and people are ready to, to go back and indoors to view, uh, concerts.
1: Right. Do you think venues would require people to show that they were vaccinated?
0: I think it would probably be either you show you're vaccinated or you wear a mask. Hmm. I think yeah, that,
2: that's, that's a big, that's a, that's a yeah. huge
0: question. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think it's going to be very similar to, to, to air travel, you know, that, that, it, it, our international flights going to need proof of vaccine.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard that you need 60% of people need to be vaccinated for herd immunity to be a thing. I, I don't know. These numbers keep changing every, every day. When we last saw each other, they were saying don't wear a mask because it makes you touch your face and then it makes <laughs> you lick your fingers. And then it makes you <laughs> get COVID. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Um,
2: it is pretty remarkable how we're we're so far into this and potentially even on the out of this. And I, I still don't even feel like I know what's real and what's not real. Like I'm, I'm still confused on whether or not COVID lives on surfaces, doesn't live on surface. We used to wipe down groceries. Now we don't anymore. Is it mostly an airborne thing? It seems to be mostly airborne. Does it, you know? So,
0: yeah. Uh, do you think you've gotten COVID before? Like, do you think you've had it?
2: I don't think that I had it. You know, I I, um, I I was very, for at the beginning of this, I was very much a temperature check person. You know, i stopped taking mass transportation uh, probably in the first, maybe the last week of February, first week of March um, to try to avoid that. But I think that, you know, uh, me and my partner ran numbers that I, like I was with, you know, 3,500 people, the, the kind of the day the NBA shut down that, that Wednesday night, I think just between the, the four shows that, that we were having. So um, I don't think that I've ever had it. I, I have not got the antibody test. I've tested negative a couple times for, for mm. various things, but no, I don't think that I, I've ever gotten it. Do you guys think that you've, you've had it?
1: Peter? I thought that I got it <clears throat> and um, I got tested and I tested negative. So I don't know if it was a false negative or not. I didn't have any of the COVID specific symptoms like loss of smell or taste or anything like that. But I just had horrible, um, fever and chills for like five days. Hmm.
0: Uh, And tell us about that. I I remember you mentioning this, Pete. Um, but you were, you did, were you looking for the rapid test? What kind of test did you get? What was your testing experience? How quick do the results get back to you?
1: So that was, um, in early August after I came back from Philly, Mm-hmm. and i got really sick and i as soon as i got symptoms i went and got tested and i waited in line outdoors in the summer heat for well over an hour sweating at city md and where is
0: that where's city md
1: a few blocks from my apartment in brooklyn yeah and then i was tested by someone who said like don't, you shouldn't get the antibody test unless like you, uh, unless you're an anxious person and, and even in that case, like it might not be meaningful, but if it would, if it makes you feel better to get it. And I don't know if your insurance covers it. So at the time I was like, I guess I won't get the antibody test. Uh, cause, uh, it sounds like it isn't going to tell me anything. And they also told me that I was maybe going to get results within 14 days. So it was a horrible, 14 days, horrible experience. Um, at that time. Yeah. When did you get the results? I think seven or eight days later.
0: And were you feeling better by then?
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Did any of your roommates get it?
1: They were out of town during that time. Um, yeah, and I, I mean yeah. I've had better testing experiences since then.
0: What sure. were you, what were your symptoms? What were your symptoms like? Exactly, like how are they different from the flu?
1: I think it was it was similar to the flu. I was like exhausted, chills, fever. Hmm. Yeah, wow. but mostly like I had drank a lot of Gatorade and took uh, Advil or yeah.
0: Um, I want to pivot right now just to a segment uh, that I like to call talk about it. I'm just going to name a topic uh, at random and I'm going to call on one of you guys and you're going to be ready to talk about it. Um, So Peter, you're, you're chewing right now. I I see you, you're eating. I'm looking at your plate. You ordered a a chicken parm sandwich, a, a full extra large eggplant parm, pizza was that an italian hoagie i see that with onions peppers lettuce tomato jalapeno is that is that sweet peppers and hot peppers oil vinegar salt pepper and oregano jesus christ really packing a punch all the
2: the things
0: okay so the first topic
2: oil and vinegar from here looks like a very moist piece of bread oh yeah yeah.
0: you're gonna need a second roll of paper towels with that um all right well adam we're gonna start with you then so first topic i just want you to talk about it and you have to go for at least a minute and uh you're just gonna go
2: if i talk for at least a minute i might pass out okay i want to breathe
0: i mean you're you're on the hot seat right now so i'm gonna have a timer here on my smartphone (laughs) all right here's the topic ready yeah right yeah I'm going to give you a softball,
2: please. I can't wait to foul it, foul it off, <laughs> fight this fast, fight it off. Are
0: you ready? Yep. Our shared home state of New Jersey, go.
2: New Jersey, huge fan of New Jersey for the most part. Uh, uh, I have spent, uh, mo- after moving to Philly, I've been spending a lot more time in, in South Jersey, which which is a, a place that I've really... um not enjoyed too much in, in my, uh, you know, in my, in my lifetime being from North Jersey. Uh, I'm very proud of, of, you know, kind of where I come from in, in North Jersey, our town, uh, you know, the Maplewood South Orange town is a, uh, it was a really, really fun place to, to grow up. There's a lot of arts influence. I think that we, we all, you know, the three of us especially have, have a lot of, you know, arts that are, in, you know, that we, we, uh, that we have in our lives, you know, probably every single day. Uh, which is, which is pretty exciting. I I have a lot of New Jersey stuff throughout my apartment. Um, My sports fandom is very heavily on New Jersey. Uh, I'm a huge New Jersey Devils fan. I've got a fantastic wall here in our office of just all New Jersey Devils, um, you know, paraphernalia and, and, and such. That was heartbroken when, when the New Jersey Nets moved to, moved to Brooklyn, however, uh, uh, still, still enjoying their team a lot with the, you know, the, the Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie 7-Eleven uh, connection. And uh, I especially miss, you know, I feel like Peter is, is standing right in front of me eating all of my favorite New Jersey foods right now. Like he looks like a Bruce Springsteen song. Uh,
0: <laughs> Fantastic. One minute, 27 seconds. All right. Next topic. Uh, the last conversation you had about climate change, Adam.
2: The last conversation I had about climate change was probably at this point 30 minutes ago with my fiance prior to this podcast about um, potential topics I would talk about <laughs> in this podcast and where I might it might go to? <laughs> so, sorry, that's that's a little bit of a cop out. Uh, I think that um, the last time that I had a conversation prior to this about climate change was about um, was about weather with uh, with again a, a good friend someone he's play hockey with, Alex Goldstein, who has his a. Uh, Doctorate in I I think it's like a doctorate in clouds. Um, uh, there was I think some flooding that was happening in Houston. I have a cousin that 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 lives out there, and uh, you know I was I was it had been the second or third time I I texted him about weather related incidents, and I made a kind of offhanded comment like ah you know climate change is, is terrible, all these you know terrible storms, and he goes actually this isn't necessarily climate change. It's very easy and, and common to misconstrue this as as you Know climate change, however, in, in that type of area, every you know seven to ten years, there is this and it, kind of the, the science behind it. So, I think that was the last maybe not conversation, but reference of, of climate change was specific to the uh, flooding in Houston. Um, I think it was during the pandemic, but it might have been right before the pandemic.
0: Fantastic, one minute and a half. Um, mm-hmm. the last conversation you had about humanity's place in the universe, or alternatively. About whether aliens exist.
2: Uh, so that was actually really recent, which is not, uh, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, which is, is really funny. Uh, uh, for for entertainment, uh, sometimes uh, we dabble in this household of the Fox News network, and our 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 uh, you know, one of the anchors and and you know, leaders basically of that network is Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is very proud of his coverage of UFOs because he uh, he's not necessarily party based but he just gives all the facts there there has been some UFO you know photos and videos that have been released quietly throughout 2020 so uh, my partner and I had uh, a pretty fun drunk conversation about uh, you know about uh, uh, extracurricular activity and, and potential other life forms this is probably also happening when the the um, monoliths or, or the those um, kind of silver boxes were were popping up and uh it we we were talking about our our favorite Neil deGrasse Tyson quote of of saying that there's not extra life form out there is like taking a, a you know a, a a cup and filling it up with water from the ocean and saying there's there's no whales that exist like it's just such a massive massive thing
0: That's a great quote but
2: yeah it's 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 an interesting quote um i remember in uh in a uh, not band that not band um with you guys but in in a former uh, uh much better band um uh that i performed in and played with uh we would often have discussions on um if the kind of universe was circular like the earth if it was square if it was infinite and kind of the uh the the shape of that
1: mm. flat so flat it
2: could be flat just like the earth
1: <laughs> <laughs> um better band than our band uh, yes <laughs> okay we talking All about right. ace. ace. Yeah, that's my all-time favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, aside from an ace or a lame duck concert, the best concert you've ever attended and why?
2: The best concert that I ever attended and why? Uh, you know, I think that I. Uh,
0: you can name more than one if you need to.
2: Yeah, the best concert I've ever attended. Um, uh i went out to chicago and saw uh saw uh our friend dylan frank play at uh pitchfork which um was crazy because he was playing in front of like eighty thousand people and he's like a, you know and we know dylan so that just just that was just really wild that might have been one of my favorite concerts just because of how just the scale of it in terms of um you know what that looked like uh we, the, probably one of my favorite concerts for just enjoyment's sake was uh, me and a lot of my friends. And it was one of my first dates with uh, my now fiance saw the band XEB, which is all the ex-members of Third Eye Blind. So some of, it's, it's like two of the original members of Third Eye Blind and then a, another former guitarist that play all the Third Eye Blind songs that they own rights to, which is like a very fun cover band. And it was at uh, Milk Boy on 13th Street in philadelphia so it was mm-hmm. it was right near my old place where i used to live and it was just a lot of fun like listening to a really good cover band of third eye blind that you know maybe wasn't a cover band
0: <laughs> i've seen my brother play at the milk boy on fourth and south
2: super cool maybe
0: it's fifth dash pf yeah dash pf
1: thanks for the shout
0: out almost as good as lame duck demolition but <laughs> <Not>
1: <laughs> as good as um, all right uh
0: last topic for this segment uh some good things to have come out of our experience with covid uh
2: I think that um you know on on the topic of climate change, I think that the air is a lot cleaner this year than it has been in 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 a long time or previous years, which is which is pretty good um I think that COVID was an interesting, um, you know, especially at the beginning when people were really in quarantine and in lockdown. It uh, brought a lot of people together more regularly. Regularly, that might not have spoke. I know that I got in touch with a lot more friends and and probably closer with with you two specifically, just because um, no one really had anything to do. So it was really easy to jump on, you know, a Zoom or a Facetime and 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 talk. So I think there, maybe a little bit more humanity. Hopefully, you know, I hope so. Hmm. I mm-hmm. don't think that was a minute. Do you stop timing?
0: Uh, I see five minutes, but I think those were the last three combined.
2: I don't know. I but sorry. I, mean,
0: I that could have been
2: the last question.
0: I, I stopped to to reset it. Um. So, I mean, do you have any do you have any questions for me at this point? This is kind of a we can take a. Look. This is sort of the halftime, uh, let's half say. Time? So I don't know. Do you have any? anything that maybe we uh as we went through previous topics maybe you bookmarked or you thought hmm, we'll come back to this and I this is like, this goes for you too peter
2: yeah i feel like i talked the whole time
0: <laughs> <laughs> well peter's Sorry. been eating food <laughs> this whole time so
2: i'm andy Richter.
0: i've had to <laughs> put put you on the i've had to put you on the spot I adam mean, you're doing double duty I, here
2: I, i'm trying i feel like i'm really letting you down cuz <laughs> like no, oh
0: no 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 Uh, Here's a question I can, I can ask uh, you, uh, uh, Adam directly. This didn't really fit cleanly into a a segment, Um, but you mentioned hockey before Mm -hmm. question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fast paced game, right? There's more scoring in in hockey than, you know, there are touchdowns in a football game Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, So why is hockey not more popular?
2: Uh, I think that hockey is not more popular because it's uh, it's an expensive sport to, to grow up playing. And it's, it's a very much probably like a privileged sport um, just because of how expensive it is. It's uh, a sport that competes with basketball, which is um, something that people can, you know, go to the playground and, and play every single day. Uh, there's been a lot of talk that the NHL has never done a fantastic job to um, uh, promoting individual players rather than teams. So markets continue to do well while um while single individual fandom or, or growth of the sport is definitely limited. They often talk about how hard it is with uh you know with uh the helmets just being harder uh you know harder to see. I don't know how much I, I buy that of like people don't recognize faces or of of players as much as you know they do the NBA or even the NFL to some extent that they often are, are on the sidelines without helmets on.
0: Um, So do you think there's a way um, that it could become more popular? If you were the commissioner, if you were, is it still Gary Bettman? Still
2: Gary Bettman. Yeah. And you know what? He's doing all right by the sport for what it's worth as much as I hate the guy. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I think that there's, um, I don't know if there's a lot of potential for, for, for hockey. I think that it's going to be appreciative and, and I think it's, it's going to be well-respected. I think that it'll probably, you know, remain on the same growth path as, as the NBA, but, you know, slightly less uh, they're up for a TV deal in a couple of years. So, so it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, leverage more national coverage and, and try and draw some, some fandom to it. But I've accepted that hockey might be, you know, like the operas and ballets of, of entertainment where like it's there, it serves a purpose and, and it's a limited audience people usually that see, you know that go to see it live have a lot of respect for it but it's hard to to really latch on to mm-hmm. for fandom
0: that's fair um so i'm just on this thread of uh instead of rapid fire questions we're kind of just doing regular questions you yeah. know uh um, we can have some thoughtful answers with this yeah um, but i i had do, do you need sorry do you need a... no no i was
2: i was going to suggest something yeah, yeah. That, that i bookmarked not bookmarked but thought about um we were talking about climate change in, in cultures. And you mentioned that movie, Henry, that, that you, for, that you didn't know the name of uh, off the top of your head. Um, right. And just, and, and we were talking about education prior to that. And like, did, was climate change ever brought up like in school or anything like that? And then I immediately went, you know, I know we talked that it, it probably wasn't, you know, Henry, you said, you didn't mention it. You didn't excuse me, know about it until uh, you know, grad school, but,
0: um, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't study about it. It wasn't discussed in a class yeah, until yeah, like,
2: was it like in like a history class or anything like that? You know, I was thinking the first time I really remember climate change was um, Maplewood Movie Theater played in con- an Inconvenient Truth, mm. and I remember thinking like, you know, I was always a little bit into politics, and I always remember being really surprised that like Al Gore just you know losing the the you know election and could have been the the president of the United States. And I remember thinking, like, what a lame kind of, like, niche topic to to go into for, you know, like, you know, to hopefully continue your political career. I just assumed that he would continue being the face of the Democratic Party. I thought, like, how, what a terrible choice to, like, really go 100% in on, like, an inconvenient truth in climate change without realizing. And, like, I remember going to see it just because it was something to do and and how I even left the the movie theater being, like, why would he be invested in this? Why would he, you know, deal with anything? I thought it was kind of interesting. We're, we're on like the, the 20th year anniversary or whatever it is that, you know, that Gore uh, conceded to, to Bush from the, you know, I think that was right around this time. Maybe it was when 20 years, maybe it was 19.
0: Yeah. Inconvenient truth was 2004.
2: Yeah. So like, you know, like we're, we're, you know, the electoral college happened today, you know, the Supreme court cases are gone. This is right around the time that, that, Gore conceded to Bush. And then just like, I remember like Gore's like first big platform post election or, or post, you know, like being in the face of everything was, he was really the first person that ever mentioned climate change that I realized was a thing.
0: Right. And he was right. And and I think that part of what tied into it, a, a, that kind of uh, making fun of Al Gore Um is South Park made fun of him for it. And South Park oh. was so very influential. And I think, it's, I think it's one of the things that Trey Parker and Matt Stone regret because they did another, they did a follow-up episode with Inconvenience Sequel where they had the characters apologize to Al Gore. And they said, you, were, you know what, you were right this whole time. But South Park's whole thing was Al Gore, um, he was after this thing called Man Bear Pig. You know, he's like, Man Bear Pig is real. Um, and man bear pig was this thing it was, it was half man half bear pig and it was supposed to symbolize climate change and everyone thought he was crazy um so in 2004 they made al gore look um you know like a cartoon character and um i think that sort of made him less cool and i i don't know i i uh yeah, that makes sense I, I definitely i fell victim of that that too but i and i think that um at least in their more recent episodes about that man bear pig made a comeback. Uh, this might've been about the time with the wildfires and hurricane Harvey and an inconvenience sequel. And they apologized to, to Al Gore.
2: That's interesting. Cause I never, I never watched South park, but I always knew that, that he sucked. So that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: the kids are talking about, you know, kids like teenagers are like, yeah, Al Gore, uh, he's you know, lame man bear pig.
1: And uh, that's gotta get to him too you know, man bear, pigs at a haunt, haunt Al Gore. You, you could tell. And like, <laughs> if, I don't know, I've seen just pictures of him and video of, clips of him where he just like the, the sparkle is kind of gone from his eyes, you know?
0: It's yeah. It's tough. And he, I mean, he gets criticized too for flying around on a, a private jet, you know, but I mean, Hey, climate change, it's, he's done a lot for it. Like you said the first time you heard about it was inconvenient truth. So I mean, imagine where we'd be without even even that movie. We might be, yeah, more years back. Um, the movie that I I'd, I'd mentioned with Ethan Hawke was called First Reformed. It was 2017. First Reformed. That was a it was a very good movie.
2: Hey, um, Hank. Yeah. Could could I ask you to explain like the Green New Deal to me in like a way that I would understand it?
1: That's a great question.
2: Like, like I don't. I don't know it. And like, I fight for it because I know the people that are against it, if that makes sense. Or like Mm -hmm. I advocate for it, but like, I don't really know, you know, like where, where is the science on, on, you know, global warming and climate change? Like is the green new deal, the first step is the green new deal. The last step that, you know, like the last chance we have is the green new deal uh, a lot of money for potential that, that may not work out is the green new deal. The first step on like what needs to happen for, you know, the rest of of humanity i have yeah. no idea sorry to put you on the spot but you've been putting us on the spot i'm not sorry about it and but we're not no, even live right now
0: no not at all so there there's a problem that needs to be solved uh with climate change that is recognized it's not by any you know It's not by the democratic party it's not by any one country but it's, it's by the un okay and it's by this, all the major world global science organizations it's the scientific community and they 're saying that we need to reduce carbon emissions to prevent warming of the world uh, before there would be catastrophic impacts uh, in terms of melting the glaciers and sea level rise, and New York City and Mumbai and shanghai being under underwater, uh, worse wildfires, worse droughts, more extreme weathers hurricanes. Um, Water scarcity, all kinds of all kinds of stuff, um, and and so in order to reduce um, reduce carbon emissions, uh, you, you need to transform entire industries. You need to move away from fossil fuels. You need to move towards wind and solar electricity generation, um, renewable forms of fuel. Um, so there's a huge transition of infrastructure that needs to take place okay let's just i mean um, here's a microcosm just instead of you, the oil uh, rigs yeah you have uh, windmills just to yeah. really oversimplify it right cool. so the green new deal is saying let's look at a, a historically um, a, a, a policy that's really looked back on historically very favorably which was the new deal mm-hmm. that fdr um, instituted during the great depression as a, pol- a way to create jobs uh, with government money um, and to, to get us out of depression and, and well, to build like a, a ton of infrastructure. Driveway. Like he built a the, the, like bunch of dams, uh, a bunch of things with government spending to create jobs to build infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So the Green New Deal is saying, let's uh, use government money to create jobs that build green infrastructure. So let's spend money to create jobs to build, uh, you know, solar farms and, and wind farms. Yeah. Um, so that's how, what the term Green New Deal signifies. The actual document, the actual policy that came out um, was, was it last year? Uh, that was, I think, led by uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and Ed Markey um, and signed on, by a lot of a lot of Democrats, um, that document is it's really just it's not a, it's not a law it's not a bill it's kind of just a resolution and it's just something that it's a policy goal it's only about four or five pages and it's just saying that you know we stand by these principles and it's kind of um, establishing the framework for what a, a green New Deal a uh, piece of legislation might look like. And it's just saying that we have these commitments. We're saying like we believe we need to reduce carbon emissions by this much by by this. And then it goes on and says, you know, we need to do this and we should do this. And it, it just kind of takes a lot of the climate goals that were put forth really by the UN and it just has them be signed by democratic federal lawmakers in in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, like, uh, uh, like AOC and company. Um, But it's not a bill. uh, But the reason it's controversial is that um, it's more ambitious than strictly climate policy, it goes beyond it. And it talks about things like healthcare. And it talks about, because in terms of creating jobs, it doesn't want to leave anybody out, it wants good union paying jobs with universal healthcare. And, um, you know, it wants to, it, it, uh, it aims to, um reduced you know, disparities and racial injustice and and the scope of it is beyond like just strict climate policy it doesn't just say create these green jobs but it says create green jobs in a way that accomplishes this broad array of uh liberal goals and so it's, all, it's been it's just
2: four to five pages all that's like right in there
0: yeah it's just four to five pages and it's just kind of saying like we want to do this and it's a commitment but it's not there's nothing binding about it, it just uh allows lawmakers to say, like, we believe in this these policies.
2: And and what like is there a reason why can you like would we be able to just put like new infrastructure where old stuff was and like people that have jobs fracking right now can just be maintenance workers for windmills, windmills? Like it could it could these things go up? in places where industries would be highly impacted? You know, we heard in the election about fracking, fracking, fracking. Like, can you yeah. just build windmills there and well, have so the same people do those jobs?
0: Supporters of, of the Green New Deal will, will say that the short answer is yes, it, it can be done. You know, the real question is, how can it be done? To what extent can it be done? Um, you know, a lot of the the green energy jobs there, there is a learning curve. You know, they're not they're not one to one. But yes, like the theory is that people working in the energy sector now doing, you know, these during doing uh, dirty energy jobs will will also be able to stay employed doing clean energy jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, but there is an element of workforce training and development there that is unknown. How long does it take to? to train people to do these things um, you know, currently the, the energy job, the employment is high, but that's just because the the industry is high. It's not really in terms of how much money or how much uh, things get done. It is a lot of it is mechanized, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the thought is that actually you could see, have an increase in jobs. There could be a way to do this that increases jobs. So that's what the green new deal wants to do. You know, whereas a lot of the fossil fuel companies, their whole, talking point their whole thing is if you switch to green jobs you'll eliminate the fossil fuel jobs that's what they're telling their people
2: that's what i believe i've heard that rhetoric and i believe
0: it Mm -hmm. that that people working in fossil fuels will lose their jobs
2: that is correct yeah that like that the the jobs once they're gone are not coming back like that this would be similar to when they get rid of a a, a a car factory in michigan like once they go and, and other people start doing this work, then like you find new work.
0: Yeah, yeah, so also, that's, that's that's that point. And then the green New Deal point is saying like, um, the, the in aggregate, you, the idea is to uh, create new jobs. So you do this transition in a way that that creates new jobs. And that's something that it takes a lot of work it, and sure as hell it takes a lot more than four or five pages. but they're saying like that's the goal. The goal is not just to transition to clean energy. They're saying that you have to transition to clean energy in a way that creates jobs.
2: Mm-hmm. I've got like a couple more questions that prompt up that I'm just going to give you yes. like quickly so you can figure out what's worth it and what's worth it. What's not worth it. Um, the first question that I have is, and like, if you don't mind me just asking all of them, cause you could, you you'll just, you you'll tell me all of them now and I'll feel bad. Cause I might forget them. Um, is there anything like like very substantial that I as an individual can do for, yeah, Peter?
1: I'm just counting the questions along. Oh, with, is
2: there anything, I, is there anything I can do as an individual that's more drastic for climate change? Um, second question is when Trump ran on the policy that it was the first presidency where the country was uh, energy independent, is that accurate? And was that at a detriment to climate change? In the united states like i don't really understand
0: what's what, sorry what, what's that second question was he said it?
2: trump trump ran on the fact that it was that for the first time the u.s was energy independent they did not rely on any other country for any energy it was 100 percent usa which which is i think based off like a lot of like the fracking and and industries and and you know kind of like the the clean coal industries or whatever he was running on um, I can Google it real quick. I don't know if that's like, if I'm saying it correctly.
0: No, I believe it. I mean, for years, the USA, like we got a lot of oil from the Middle East, for example. And now we're, there's been a natural gas boom. Pennsylvania is, I think the second largest producer of natural gas of any state in the country. Um, so there's a lot more domestic um yeah, you know, acquisition of fossil fuels, production of fossil fuels. So, says, I mean, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, Google says it was the the United States was energy independent in 2019 for the first time since 1957, and I don't really understand that, and I haven't really dug too much into it. But if how if that relates to anything, or if just like the Green New Deal, it's something you can just explain to me,
0: like I <laughs> because I, don't I mean, know. what I I don't I don't know a lot, you know, but but just right. what it what it sounds like, yeah, is that yeah, it means that the u.s can run on energy that it produces alone but that energy is is oil and gas and coal and things that we need to stop uh, right. drilling so like, yeah we said at the top of the program trump's epa head is a coal lobbyist okay. um so independence like yeah maybe it's easy to ind- be independence when you don't have uh when you don't have objectives for for yeah. uh going to green energy <laughs>
2: Right, like, did our like did our impact in like the ozone layer like go up because we were independent, like we were energy independent? Like, is, are we like you know putting more negativity into the world for yeah. this claim?
1: Quick, quick clarification. I think that energy independence isn't like a bi local thing. Like, we're only getting our energy from U.S. oil production. It just means that our oil exports are greater than our oil imports oh so right. then I, I don't even understand it at all we could be producing way more than we need
0: <laughs> yeah it means that we could it means we could um survive based on our own production if our exports are higher than our imports yeah
2: industry interesting 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 yeah. um yeah i already forgot the last question
0: like for example like you know you could be an independent guy but you know still be in a relationship that's like the u.s You know, the U S is independent, but Hey, you know, we're still in trade energy with other countries. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, the, the, I mean, look, the point is we have to, we have to get to, to a zero carbon emissions. Think about this Biden's plan. He wants to get to uh, zero carbon by 2050 Mm -hmm. and zero carbon in electricity sector by 2035. Yeah, so we can't be, we can't be doing what we're doing now.
2: But that's not as sexy as putting someone on the moon before 1970. Like that's we're just not as, as a,
0: sexy as putting someone on the moon. in
2: 1969, 1969, a lot sexier. So Hot Sam.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> a lot sexier. Um, cool. Thanks for that, that information. That was, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Peter. But,
0: but Google it like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give you the best answer I can. No, I, but...
2: I appreciated that because like I can Google things and I have Google things, but like, depending on how it you know it reads with it it needs that like that layer of in between of of you know like the like i i appreciate you helping interpret it
0: i think and here's here's my hope for climate change policy going forward into 2021 um like the the green new deal the reason it's it's so heavily criticized and it's called socialist it's 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 almost reads like a wish list of the 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 left of the liberal left so if there's anything you don't you know like on that you can if you think you, you know if you don't if you don't like universal healthcare you can call the green new deal socialist just because of the healthcare part but a lot of critics of the green new deal it's not about the climate policy part mm-hmm. so i'm you know i'm hopeful that a climate policy thing can uh Platform can still get done, maybe even in a ex- bipartisan way. In, in, you know, do you think Biden's going to be
2: the greenest president?
0: Oh, he he definitely will be the greenest president from day one. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because I mean things things are so different now the way we see it, even from when Obama was in office, and and Trump's been the, I mean the the really the, I I mean he's a uh, I don't. I don't have to. I don't have to say it. There's plenty. There's plenty of literature on how. I mean, no. Noam Chomsky called him the biggest criminal in human history for what he's been doing to the environment.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, knowing exactly what he's doing, um, it's un. It's it's unconscionable. It's really. It's really difficult. Uh, it, it hurts. I, I've been saying that if there's anything he should be impeached for, it's it's what he's been been doing to to the environment and what he's been allowing to to happen
2: and is that just in terms of like the fracking and and the like the you know the the pipelines that he's doing and all that stuff or is it like the rollbacks of the paris agreement and all that as well or is it just everything
0: it's everything it's everything yeah. i mean the, the paris agreement is the easiest target because it's just that's what the president the president is it's in the spotlight it's just basically saying like we agree this is a problem, and we want to work together to address it. And the U.S. had led the negotiations in the first place, and he backed out of it, saying he's going to renegotiate. And he didn't do that. He literally he just did it to spite Obama. Yeah, that was an
2: Obama thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. and Biden, it was a Biden thing. Yeah, and that's just all the countries are basically signed this resolution to agree to combat climate change, and then the U.S. just pulled out. So it's just that just sends a message to. Half the country, uh, that As, that globalism, that you know, that climate change is a global hoax, um, but also just the you know, the 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 tax cuts and the subsidies he's been doing for the, the fossil fuel industries, um, you know, when, knowing what we know, um, yeah. just even in the last four years, um, him just not. Not doing anything to make any effort to uh, to decarbonize, and in fact, trying to bring back coal, as he's said, is yeah. is more than counterproductive. It's just it's just destructive.
2: Um, it's interesting that because like I, I always think of like global warming and, and climate change is like a problem for like the coasts, where like California is like wildfires and droughts, and and you know the East Coast has has major storms or, or you know weather uh, weather problems. But it, it is interesting because farming has mostly gone away. And if there's been any climate related reasons for that, it's been subsidized by the government, so it, it would be hard to get that's I'm just trying to I'm making that connection now of like you know like they subsidize farmers so much that that it's hard for maybe middle America to understand climate change like probably coastals were would be able to or do.
0: Yeah, and look, like big, big business farming would be fine. when we think of the fa- farmers, we have this fairy tale story. You know, of like yeah. mom and pop in their overalls, strong working guys. hard in yep. the fields, strong guys. But it's corporations. Yeah, you know, it's it's big business. It's cornfields that they're going to feed to cows that are are going to fart and go in your McDonald's cheeseburger. Um, but like the small-time farmers are some of the people who are going to be hurt from it the most. Farming is something that it relies on the predictability of the seasons and the climate and when you have water. And when you know not having storms, not having droughts, having consistency and the the Hallucine period, this the era that the that, that humans have flourished in. Um mm-hmm. or you know, if you, hey let's just let's call let's just say we flourished, okay? Mm-hmm. Um that's what's being threatened right now. Um so yeah, they say like, like even though the the war the war in the civil war in Syria happened because the smaller farmers because of the droughts they couldn't make a profit on it and they had to go to the cities and then they were overcrowding the cities and then there was unemployment and poverty and shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just l- the fact of not being able to predict like yeah. the seasons and the cycles.
2: That's, I didn't want to mention his name, but the the weather guy that I keep referencing, Alex Goldstein now like works for uh uh like a financial company to like predict where it makes sense to build things like predicting weather patterns for like building factories in foreign countries and, and shit like that and he's like really like sold out to uh <laughs> to like kind of like maybe the bad guys or at least the money people. Um has Trump done anything good for the environment? No. Nothing? Like there's nothing that like like he wasn't involved with, but happened in the last four years, or has there been any like positive things from the government on a federal level for climate change or, or, or the environment is climate change and the environment interchangeable? Not really, but I've been doing it.
0: Um, yeah, it's all, well, it's, it's all connected. Everything's connected in the, in the environment. So at least on this program, we'll, it, we'll call pollution. We'll call the environment, if if something's an environmental fact, it's a it's a climate change fact. Same goes for animals, you know. Same goes for for <laughs> plant plants. I mean, uh, like I, I, a lot of this stuff, you know, you you can you can Google. It's not not right in the forefront of my head, but Trump Trump doesn't believe in climate change and he believes in bringing back coal. Like, what more <laughs> do you need to know? There is a lot in the world, uh, or in the even in the country that is good that's happening. Um, for climate change but it's not at the federal level that's for sure it's it's states it's cities doing what they can in spite of everything in Mm -hmm. spite of the lack of not only the lack of funding but funding that is going against their interests um you know there's some like there's just i i'm i'm hopeful that the states and the cities they have these programs in place that you know, once properly funded, once properly given attention to, um, we'll be able to, to flourish. So I th- I do think a lot will be able to get done under Biden, even in a gridlocked legislature.
2: That's awesome. Thanks for all that knowledge, man. Mm-hmm. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Look at, there's this, uh, the Sierra club has a list of, uh, cities that have, I think there's a hundred cities that have committed to, uh, to going zero carbon by 2050. Um, it's called the ready for a hundred on the Sierra club. So a lot of it it's happening at the local level. That's where everything really happens. Um, the federal level, that's where the money comes from, but at the local level, that's where a lot of policies uh, get, get put into place. Is Philly on that list? Philly is not on the list. No, but could be. Could be one day.
2: I'm checking out the the toolkit
0: now. I believe Chicago's on the list. So who knows? Who knows what will happen? But there's a, there's a lot of good things happening. I think yeah. cities are uh, you know declaring war on cars, and uh, and uh, you know even putting outdoor seating in the parking lane, hey, even little things like that. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Walk let's walk to work.
2: Um, I hate how terrible the Philly mass transportation system is. It kills me. Yeah. It destroys me, man.
0: Well, and part of that's just having rep Republicans in Harrisburg, too. Yep. Yeah. I believe it. Um let's talk about something else, guys. Um <laughs> <laughs> talked a lot about climate change. <laughs>
1: I talked a lot about climate change. All
0: right, let's get let's get a little weird here. So I was thinking about this today, looking at my keyboard that my brother brought me. But yeah. in music, in an octave, in a scale, you have seven notes, right? Seven major notes: A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then you have five like sharps flats so like maybe 12 notes if you count sharps and flats in an octave why 12 this number kind of seems random um like do do human beings can we only pick up 12 distinct sounds um why a through g why not a through h or a through j why divide an octave into 12 and rather than 10 or 30
1: I think a lot of it has to do with um, the, well, first of all, that is a very like Western thing that the 12 note scale and in other uh, systems, there are different numbers of notes in a scale. There might be five notes in a scale, um, but the 12 note um, octave that we're familiar with, I think comes from just like relationships between notes and certain Tonal and harmonic structures that we're used to in in Western music, Um,
0: as opposed to how is it in other cultures?
1: uh, I think some some cultures will have like a uh, like a five note like a pentatonic scale will be like their octave. Um, Some cultures will have, and actually, even in a lot of modern Western contemporary music. Uh, There's a lot of like quarter tone, like notes between the notes we have are being added. And a a lot of electronic music too is like manipulating pitch in a way that um, plays with the the note structure we're we're used to. So like the, the 12 note octave, I think is convention and common, but it's definitely humans can hear more than that. So, Man.
0: so a five-note octave. What what culture has that?
1: Um, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and and let's say, like to compare those
0: to the notes that we know, would that just be like, would it just be A B C D E? You know, how how would you translate it? How would you translate a five-note octave to a twelve-note octave?
1: Um. I guess, yeah, you could start on the root and just do like one, two, three, five, six. It's like one version of a pentatonic. Hmm. But, I, you know, I'm no ethnomusicologist. I don't know like exactly what scales are most common in different countries. I just know enough to know that there are a lot of different systems besides the 12-note octave. And that even in Western music now, like a lot of people are are uh, fucking with that as they say
2: but you said like in western music they're they're making like notes or, or or you know kind of notes between notes like how do you play that on a violin
1: well a violin it's you don't have uh like frets the way you might on a guitar so you can just slide between you just literally get between whatever exactly that yeah. pick of the note is play all sorts of quarter tones and yeah
0: Hmm. Hmm. So there are there are an infinite notes, infinite number of notes. Yeah, we just that we even we can hear. We just simplify it. We just break it up in a way that we're able to form patterns more easily with. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of it's kind of like colors, like colors yeah. like colors of a rainbow. They can blend, but they also can seem distinct to us. Exactly. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and and for uh you know people with synesthesia, it's like it might be exactly like color. Right. <laughs> where they're where they're seeing different pitches as different colors. Um,
0: hmm. okay. Um interesting. I was I was curious about that. Uh all right. So I, I also I wanted to address the role of art and entertainment in a you know society where it's, politics has kind of become arts and entertainment uh, at least the last like four years. But um, you know in a divided in a divided culture where you know it, back in the day I think we could we were able to come together because we would all watch the same, um, you know, Dick Van Dyke episode or whatever, or uh, a movie would come out and everybody would watch it. There's only seven channels. Um, you, you know, even, even grow growing up. I remember like, Hey, everyone's reading the newspaper at the same time in the morning. you you get on the train and everyone on the train is reading the same exact newspaper. Everyone's reading the New York times, you know, maybe the star ledger, but <laughs> now everyone's on their phones and everyone's reading way different things. And there's so many different sources and there's so many different s- stories. Um,
1: a lot of content.
0: You know, a lot of, There's there's a lot of content. There's a lot of content. So We're making if, content right
2: now. <laughs> infinite amount of content. Yeah.
0: So, so how do you manage it? How do you decide what to, what to watch or what what to consume
1: why do why do you listen to climate change therapy as opposed to uh conan o'brien needs a friend
0: (laughs) yeah why climate change therapy and why not the joe rogan
1: new york times daily podcast
0: (laughs) you know i guess there's still sports this is why sports is still a, a hot item
1: they're also like trending on Netflix shows that I think has a similar kind of cultural uh, uh, importance, but it's, but it's much quicker and, and fleeting. Tiger King. Yeah. T- everybody watched Tiger King for one week. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, so under the umbrella of entertainment, you can, Categorize it into there's art and there are games, and art and games are two distinct things. I think. Is that fair to say? Is there a third category under entertainment?
1: Well, can't entertainment not <laughs> be art? I'm yeah, yeah, exhausted.
2: Natural. <laughs> natural. I, I'm, I'm out of my element here <laughs> all of a sudden.
0: I'm just trying uh, to type, just try to establish a framework. I want to try to build up the role of art from the ground up here.
1: Does art does art have to be entertainment? Does entertainment have to be art?
2: Art has to be entertainment. Entertainment doesn't have to be art. I think art's art has some context to it. Art has some purpose to it. Art has some something, you know, even positive or negative to 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 express um that, you know, kind of, you know, evokes emotion. I think that I'm entertained by a lot of things that are just yeah. na- natural things in life or, or, you know, funny things that happen that are, you know, I don't want to say planned and, and the difference between art and entertainment is like planning, but, you know, because sports I think could be art and it's not necessarily planned or, or, or you know, scripted, but
1: um, yeah. I think sure. that's good. I like, I agree with that. Yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah.
2: It's square. It's square and rectangle for me. It's like it's like all art is entertainment, but not all entertainment is, is art. Yeah, like you know, like you reviews. could
1: be you could be entertained by a cold glass of whiskey. Well, that's that cold glass of whiskey isn't art.
2: Yeah, or like <laughs> someone like like when I like, you know, when I forget to close the you know something a, a cabinet above me and i hit my head and someone laughs that's entertainment that's good entertainment but it's not it's not really art yeah.
0: mm-hmm. so but what form of entertainment is it so like like basketball the form of entertainment it is, is it's a game and like a uh a a concert entertainment article. is it is it's it's there's art you know they're creating um, but what about just like what you said, like you know, enjoying a glass of whiskey as you watch the squirrels run up the tree? What form of entertainment is that?
2: Natural entertainment?
1: You hear you heard it here first. I, I like that.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, life entertainment?
1: Yeah.
2: Accidental entertainment. Okay.
0: Just I was just curious.
2: Yeah.
0: Um so I realize it's, it's, it's getting to be uh, that time of the evening. Um, do you guys have any, do you want to play our last segment here the night called guess that Weezer song? Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's start with uh, Peter. Uh, you're going to, you're going to hum a melody of a Weezer song. Okay. And for the, for those of you who don't know, uh, Adam was in a Weezer cover band uh, in, in high school.
2: I like to think that I still
1: am in a Weezer cover band.
0: <laughs> and Adam was also in our band in high school.
1: The, the less exciting band to be in, <laughs> but a good band.
0: Yeah. Very Peter, Peter band. and I were, you know, we're brothers. We we for, we for, formed a band and we're like, hmm, we should get that bassist from the Weezer cover band.
1: And I was like, that'd be a big reach.
0: Be-
2: <laughs> that was a big get at the time. Yeah. I remember negotiating uh, 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 songs with with Matt Pickoff, like, if you write one, will you give it to us or them? And I was like, I just won't write one, actually. So that's, that solves that problem. I remember it was so much fun, like going to your house and playing music because, like, your entire like, you know, like everyone like had their stuff in like a basement or a corner, and like yours is just like in the living room for the whole house. Like, <laughs> yeah, our
0: parents love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, what was your what was your favorite lame duck demolition song?
1: I've got mine. Uh, mine's mine spider. spider. Spider? Okay. Yeah. What did you say, Peter? Um, I'm blanking on the name, but I went like <laughs> Cup. Yeah. Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. couldn't think of
0: a title for it so just there are some
2: declassified lame duck songs on YouTube (laughs) if you know how to search for them
0: oh man man Uh, yeah if you want to see me in in cargo shorts um all right Pete we need you to hum a Weezer song
1: all right I'll start start with uh, this this one surf
0: wax America
1: all right did I just beat the bassist from the Weezer cover band? You know what? I, I you didn't explain the rules. Also, we've played this before. This is the first time Adam's hearing my humming version.
0: Yeah, yeah I want to
2: I want to hear Henry go now.
0: I, I know I know Peter's humming uh Weezer song. We've played this game before. All right, so because I, I got it, I go next.
2: Oh, that's easy. I can eliminate myself from the game okay. by
0: participation. You ready? do <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah all right adam you got it. all right uh, your turn to to hum one
2: uh um
1: what what song do i want to do if you do one, we are unlikely to guess you're going to be humming for a while that's what that's what i'm trying to avoid right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's exactly like
0: uh and you don't win if it takes a long time for us yeah. to guess yeah you you already <laughs> You win by guessing, so.
2: Um. I, I don't know how to like. What do you hum it?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: You can do like uh, dooms, dooms, dooms
2: are good. Dooms, dooms. Yeah. Uh uh. <competencycle> Good life. Oh, good, man. life. Uh, good life. I wanted to go. Man. I wanted to use six we off hit, Pinkerton. We, right. hit, yeah, we hit blue album and, and you know, green album. So I wanted to get right in between there, right oh, in between the brothers, just where I feel comfortable. Uh, it was
0: great. It's one, one to one. So first to three wins. So Peter, it's your oh, turn.
1: Play this whole game. Yeah, <laughs> Peter, it's, your, it's your turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Butterfly. Oh wow, that, was, that a was a tie. I think
2: that was a tie. That was a tie.
0: That was a tie. That
2: was, tie. That was pretty good. All, All right, you so go good. again.
0: <laughs> yeah, you go again. That's <laughs> a going. Yeah, that's a mulligan. You have to. You yeah. Have to go again. All
1: right. uh Keep going. Keep going. Uh, my name is Jonas. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I did a pin drop, not at the beginning of the song. Maybe. I, little, I, think, little, I
2: think I just can't do Peter's voice. I think that's it. <laughs> I think like I think it's the Dun Duns that are scaring me. Like I can't. <laughs> it's very gothic or something. I don't know. Okay, it's don't my know. Turn? So this is so this so the game continues now.
1: Yeah. yeah I have, I have two. Henry's got two.
2: It's two one one. Yeah. This is a
0: big deal. It's <laughs> a big deal. Now, I believe strategically...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do, 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 no, do, you're no, do. on a holiday. Oh, is that it? Island yeah. in the sun. Island in the sun. Yes. Yes. Nice.
2: Nice. I. Right,
0: me and Peter each have two.
2: That was. See, that's. I, was, I didn't want to interrupt, but I'm playing a little bit of a game here because I believe the rules are whoever gets it correct has to hum again. <laughs> so, if, if you know, like, if if, if I had if I had gotten that, then I would be you know you know, so I wanted to continue to play. You That's gotta, a good
0: point. That's a good point. All right, Peter, you it's you your gotta, turn.
2: You gotta... Hey, I didn't really think it passed this round. All
1: right, Peter. I didn't really think about <laughs> yeah, but, it. No, but this now round. if I I'm, get I'm it, Adam, totally I win.
0: Pain. If I get this one, That's I true. win. That's true. Uh, Peter, but yeah, you have to hum. You're right.
1: Uh, but Adam wants to keep playing, Henry. I, but, <laughs> yeah, but I'm still playing. We're still playing. He's got to earn playing. it. we still it. playing. I, um, let me think. Uh, Damn! Uh, actually, here we go. Here we go. Oh, wow! Yes! <laughs> yes! God damn it! All right, it's two, two to two. That <laughs> oh, <it> was unbelievable. <laughs> it wasn't that two unbelievable.
2: notes. <laughs> it wasn't... So now I'm out. It. So now it's now it's just a couple. No, now no,
1: we only do, but you have to, you have hum, to give, And Henry yeah. and I win. Yeah. Right. Henry yeah. So that's and, that's fine. I'm me glad. or
0: Peter. Me or Peter win. We don't know. It's, yeah, it's yeah, two, two to two. But but
1: yeah, you. That was the record for fastest get. I think two notes. That's that yeah. That's, that's, Just that's, that's the bass drummer connection, you know.
0: Is yeah. that it?
1: It's Maybe. nice we finally got that connection.
0: <laughs> that's the muscle memory for being in a um, Weezer cover band.
2: Uh, let's see. What do we want to do? Um,
0: uh, for the win. <laughs> Pretty much only know Blue Apple, <laughs> like
1: some Pinkerton. <laughs> All
0: right, ready? Uh.
2: Do, 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 do.
0: Fuck. This is a more recent album, isn't
2: it? Do, do, do do do. Do, do, do-do.
1: Do, Pork and beans?
2: Do, 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 do.
1: Don't let go. This is new. This must be new. Yeah.
2: Don't let go. It's the first song on the Green Album. Don't let go. Uh, uh,
1: I don't know the Green Album. Yeah, I don't know the Green that's, Album.
2: That's, that's <laughs> someone here played something from the Green Album. Uh, right, wait, wins. no, none, of us, none of us
0: got it. All right, so I'm going to give this last one. Adam has a chance. None of us got it.
2: All right.
1: All right. I, I'm, I'm going to do one. Ready?
2: That was my biggest fear, by the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you you overcame it, man. Yeah, that was great. All right, ready? It wasn't because you didn't hum well, it was because we didn't we don't know the green album.
0: Who said that? Adam. I, I said
2: garage, but in the garage might be like the yeah, the, 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 yeah. the correct yeah. answer. I, I know it is garage. It's That's how cool. we wrote it on our set list to save times. Damn. You know, you know. All
0: right. Adam got it. Damn. Yeah. Well done. Got still got it. a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: little comeback there. That's gonna come back. You should have stopped the count. Stop the count earlier. Man,
0: Man. Even uh, that was fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did that. We did that at Strangelove, and I played Burnt Jam, and I just hummed it for two minutes.
0: Oh. <laughs> must must be a green album song.
2: That's I think Validroid. Oh, wow. All right,
0: guys. I I feel better about climate change having talked to you now.
2: Yeah, Sorry. I learned a ton. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I might have been wrong with everything I said, so I would, I would fact check uh, me as soon as, uh, well, listeners, I would, just as, as soon, before you repeat anything you heard on this program, I would, I would fact check me. Um, speaking from memory is never easy, especially in the day and age of s- smartphones, uh, when we never have to remember anything anymore. But Adam, brother of mine, uh, good to have you on, good to have you back. Um, I'm going to stop hit and hit record now, uh, but we can stay on the line and just uh, finish our drinks and, and, uh, and sign off together. But uh, thanks for listening. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and happy Hanukkah to everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Happy oh. Hanukkah, thank you. Happy Hanukkah. Until, until next time.